It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. The Oklahoma City Thunder fall on national television to the Miami Heat as the Heat shoot an NBA record. 40 free throws, and they make all 40. We'll talk about the lessons this young Thunder team needs to learn after this tough loss to the Miami Heat on today's Locked on Thunder podcast on the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked on Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder Podcast. On the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, media member, and editor-in-chief over at thunderousintentions.com. Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LOThunderPod. Email the show, LOThunderPod at gmail.com. On today's show, we're going to go in, ahead and dive into the Oklahoma City Thunder falling on national television to the Miami Heat. Josh Giddy gets a, gets a triple-double on national TV. The Miami Heat shoot 40 free throws and make them all. We'll talk about how this team lost, the good, the bad, the ugly, and what to learn from this game. But we start the way we always do with our game overview. Chet Holmgren out, of course, for the season. Usman Jang, Poku both out long-term. And an update from uh, Joe Mazzato of the Oklahoma, who is on this road trip from Mark, that Jeremiah Robinson Earl is still out and is still not yet day-to-day. It's still a longer term than day-to-day. So that's... Really discouraging for that ankle sprain from Jeremiah Robinson Earl. Uh, Jay Will and Baisley, both DNP, CD, but they're healthy. They just did not play in their you know, in this game. For the Heat, they were without Bam, without Hero, without Lowry, without Duncan Robinson. Uh, this was a very gettable game without Caleb Martin as well for Miami. The Thunder had an interesting starting lineup. SGA, Giddy, Dort, J-Dub, and Marui. I'll admit, as somebody who has been saying that Mark is the best Thunder head coach ever since his first season. This was one decision where I thought was it was a little gimmicky, but that's been his MO his entire career is, is to switch things up, throw new looks at people, throw different lineups at just, just the second time that Omarui has started this season. Uh, and then and then in this game, it course corrected to the five players that played the most minutes was the, was the starting lineup that has had the success the last few games. It was SGA, Josh Giddy, Lou Dort, J-Dub, and Kenny Hustle. I just wish that the Thunder would have kind of gone out that way, you know, to start and through that first punch. But minutes-wise, it did result in the same. This was a tough loss, though. I will say, before we get into any of this, let's preface this with saying it felt good to have feelings again about Thunder basketball, to really 
live and die with possession by possession basketball to feel that gut punch whenever the heat went up on that and one by Jimmy Butler, like to have basketball feelings again felt really, really cool. And the TNT music with the thunder game happening just really sent you back into the glory years. But this game was lost by one point. So it was tough to swallow 10 lead changes, six time tied. OKC only had a five point lead. Miami's biggest lead was once 11 the Thunder won the rebounding battle 55 to 47. However, here's the big kicker. The Thunder were only a plus one in turnovers. The Thunder themselves had 18 turnovers. Very uncharacteristic. That's usually where the Thunder make their money. They turn you over, they get out and run. They have the third highest pace in the NBA, which is their identity, which is what they've been preaching. Since Mark took over, Sam Presti shifted the idea of team building to uh, you know, playmakers in every position. We grab and go off the boards. We go turn you over. We're athletic, but we're also skilled. And, you know, now in this third season, you're seeing that translate to, you know, turning over your opponents at a high clip, getting out in transition and running, playing with pace, third most in the NBA. But the Thunder also, as the game went on, played more to their identity than they did in the first quarter because they had better ball movement later on, better cutting action, and they end up in a plus 10 on the assist column with 27 assists. Miami, 40 for 40 at the free throw line. First of all, it's impressive to get 40 free throws. It's also impressive to make all 40 of them. Jimmy Butler made 23 of the 40 and, of course, went 23 for 23. But despite Miami having the you know first quarter of glory in the paint, they had 20 first, ha- first quarter paint points, they lost overall 60 to 42 um, in the paint down low uh, against OKC. But the Miami zone gave SGA and this team fits. I mean, the, the physicality of it uh, and the rotations were crisp. And the Thunder just had a high turnover clip. Like SGA, who's a low turnover guy, you know, maybe twos, three a game, had, a, you know, in, in the last two games against Miami, had 11, had six in this game alone um, in these two games this year against Miami. And Miami also threw the first punch, which I thought the Thunder came out tight. And I thought that Miami throwing that first punch was critical. I was saying in the preview that. You know, if the Thunder can deliver that first punch, then maybe with all the injuries, you see Miami fold a bit, or you see Jimmy Butler kind of get pulled out of the game a little bit, kind of rest him along with their other stars that are already out. But Miami did a great job of punching the Thunder in this game and staying in it all game long, always having answers for the Thunder runs, uh, and vice versa. This was a very competitive game all the way around. But the Thunder saw SGA start 0 for 3 and miss the front end of his first free throw uh, trip. Like, that was just a very uncharacteristic start from SGA, and the Thunder have seen SGA struggle against Memphis, who's a very long, lengthy team that can pack the paint, and then struggle against this zone. It's been the two ways that the Thunder have seen their superstar struggle. But in this game, the refs are going to be a talking point for the majority of Thunder fans, and any time that you see your opposition put up 40 free throw attempts, that's going to be hard to swallow. The Thunder, though, also made bad mistakes. I mean, the Eugenio Marui, just lazy, um, clear path foul, like, there's no need to do that, and that sparked an 11-2 Miami run. Getting out physical in this game was a big deal. The Thunder you know, were, were dug themselves in a hole early where you know, they were a plus six in the third quarter, and it was still a one-point disadvantage heading into the fourth quarter, and then they just tied the fourth quarter and lost by one point. You know That, that 11-2 stretch was critical. And then you have a moment to, you know, you have chances to win this game down the stretch. I mean, those last two possessions, Kenny Hustle misses two free throws. Wiggins gets the rebound off of those 
off of those misses, you know, the second miss, Wiggins gets the rebound. He spins in the lane, loses the ball. OKC doesn't call a timeout as they see him start to spin and, and start to lose the ball to save that possession with the shot clock turned off. So if you call that timeout and retain the possession with a clean inbound, Miami has to foul you again, and hopefully you actually make your free throws this time. Uh, and, and so that didn't end up working to your favor. And then Miami goes down there, gets the and one, with Jimmy Butler to, to put him up uh, 12 to 11 with the end one where they get, you know, J dub in the, in the air with a pump fake and, and hits the shot, hits the free throw. The very, very, very last possession for OKC SGA crosses the timeline with eight seconds left. You have that aforementioned timeout left and eight seconds whenever you want to start your action anyway. And the thunder don't take a timeout despite, despite Mark being one of the best ATO head coaches in the NBA voted. So by the media, um, on the NBA midseason media survey, receiving votes for that action. Plus, you know, synergy is grading him at a very high clip in the ATOs also. But, but that's, that is more personal preference, right? Me personally, knowing that you have Josh Giddy, an elite inbounder, knowing that you have great skill sets in the ATOs and you even saw SGA hit an ATO timeout, you know, after timeout game winner against Portland, knowing all of that, I personally would have used the last timeout, but personal preference. It's normal there for coaches to say, look, the shot clock's turned off already. They've already worked the ball up the timeline. Let the star cook. Just figure out what to do. He's our superstar. We're going to live and die with our superstar. So trusting SGA is normal there, and I feel like it's a lot of playing the results because he tried a three instead of driving and missed. And when I say playing the results, like think about how many different ways that that could go. Number one, the shot goes in. No one cares. Okay, nobody cares. Shot goes in. Thunder likely win. There was, there was still been like four or three seconds left for Miami to advance the ball and then, and then try to take the lead again. But still, say the shot goes in, that's great. We all celebrate. Say they call the timeout like I would have done. They call the timeout. Giddy, there's no more timeouts now. So Giddy's the inbounder. They they blow up the first action. Giddy has to get the ball into somebody, gets the ball into Kenny Hustle, and he's the guy that shoots the last, the, the last shot instead of SGA. Well, then you're complaining that why isn't the ball in your best player's hands? Okay, let's say that SGA then brings about the timeline and then passes to somebody else and they miss. Or, you know, well, then why isn't your star player deferring? Why isn't he being the guy to take the main stage? So, like, we're playing the results on this a lot when it all comes down to making or missing. With SGA taking that three, personally, the only thing I had a problem with with Shea's shot selection there was you could have gotten to that step back three anytime. You could have gotten that at any moment. You did not have to launch a step back three with over four seconds left on the on the game clock because even if you hit it, now you still got to go play defense. If you're going to take the step back three, make sure that it's in the air as time expires and you're either going to win or lose uh, because even a- as you kind of contest for the rebound, they don't call a jump ball until 0.8 seconds left. And at that point, it's all, I mean, you can't do anything with 0.8 seconds left. So like, uh, had the shot gone in, though, the clock obviously stops. They advance the ball. Then, then they still have the full three, two, however many seconds would have been left on that miss. Uh, the ball hit the cylinder around the around the 3.7 mark, which is going to be when it, when it would have gone in. And so it goes in at like 3.8, or you know, I should say 3.5 or 4 or whatever. That's a lot of time to, for the Heat to answer, either by sending it to OT or by winning it on a three. So I just would have liked him if he's going to settle for that step back three, something that he's worked on and tried to add to his bag for the last two seasons. That's fine, but time and place for it would have been a big deal for me. Uh, but the Thunder are going to want this one back. Like, there's no doubt about that. If the Thunder's goal is to make the plan, they're going to want this one back. You had a depleted Heat team. You're on national television. You fought all game long, tooth and nail. You overcame everything. Like, you had it. 
Shot clock turned off. Can he hustle at the line? You make your free throws. You win the game. You you keep that rebound from Wiggins and you win the game. You have SGA become you know a, a clutch time scorer as he has been all season long. You win the game. Like the, you had your chances despite being the youngest team in the NBA, despite missing any sort of you know rim protection and big man in this game, despite uh, giving up forty free throws in this game, but despite uncharacteristic turnovers to to the tune of eighteen turnovers, despite all of that. You were in this game, and you really leave it thinking you should have won on the road. And so this is a game that you're going to want back. And you tip your cap to Jimmy Butler. He was crafty. He line 23 times. A few of them, sure, were ticky-tack, not really great free throws. Uh, but some of them were just him getting Jade up in the air a couple times and, and, and being physical going to the rack. And that's just how the cookie crumbles sometimes. But all in all... A good showing for OKC concerning the circumstances, but they've just got a lot to learn. We knew that coming into the year. We still know that now after watching them play. We also know that you need to go right now to prizepicks.com or the PrizePicks app. Use the code Locked On. 100% deposit match guarantee up to $100 over there at Locked On. Promo code at prizepicks.com and PrizePicks app. Folks, PrizePicks is awesome. It is a simple way for you to play and have fun. It's just you versus the projected numbers, not versus any other opponent. You pick two to six players. You say, hey, will SGA score more or less points than 25 and a half against the Sixers? If you say more and he does, you've won. If you say less and he does, you've won and vice versa. Uh, so you can pick, say, SGA more or less 25 and a half points. You can say in that same game, Embiid more or less 10 and a half rebounds. Well, the Thunder don't have a lot of uh, bodies in the paint. Let's say he gets over 10 in rebounds in this game. And so if you get those two right, boom, you win, and you can win up to 25 times your entry. No competing against others. It's just you versus projected numbers. Price Picks offers incredible projections on all the sports that you watch, including NBA, NFL, MLB, NHL, PGA, college football, men and women's college basketball, soccer, WNBA, eSports, NASCAR, tennis, MMA, boxing, disc golf, Eurobasket, cricket, and more. Entries only take 60 seconds or less. Try it today. Safe and offers fast withdrawals. Download right now the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up. That's prizepix.com or PrizePix app. Use the code locked on for 100% instant deposit match guarantee up to $100. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. We are back on the Lockdown Thunder podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Your teams every day. I am your host, Rylan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at Hello Thunderpod. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball. So, Josh Giddy posts a triple-double on national television. That was fun to see. 18 points. 10 of them came in that fourth quarter, including an epic shot to tie it. Uh, the the only thing I disagree with Josh Giddy's game, like I, I thought it was pretty good considering... The, the heat zone is going to obviously turn you over a lot more as any team, but specifically two really, really young guards and the second youngest team in the NBA. So the turnovers are high. Yeah, push that aside for now. 
I thought all game he was passing up threes that he normally took, especially at home, especially during this last month where he's, put, you know, where he's particularly shooting very well and playing very well. I thought that there was moments where he hesitated and didn't shoot shots that I think over the last two weeks he would have just no-brainer pulled the trigger on. And that could have been national television. That could have been the heat zone. That could have been a myriad of, of things. But the one three that he did take was the most ill-advised of all the ones he had. Like of all the ones he could have shot, all the ones that he did shoot, that was the most ill-advised of, of the three that he took in the fourth quarter. And, and that was uncharacteristic of Giddy. And I think that that was more so a heat check than like, I think that this is the right basketball play. Uh, but still, he played really good. Got triple level, 18 points, 10 assists, 15 rebounds. 15 rebounds as a guard. A team high. It was a game high. He's the only player in this contest with double-digit rebounds. He had a block. He shot 44% uh, and then put on a passing clinic. The no-look pass to a cutting Kenny Hustle was awesome. The bounce pass to J-Dub creates a bucket. All in all, he played really well off SGA, and he was just scrapping in this game. He cares about winning. He cares about creating possessions. He cares about fighting. He cares about you know going to war each and every night, and it's been awesome to watch for Josh Giddy over this last month. Now, SGA. Cold start to this one. There's no doubt about that. Uncharacteristic start to this one for SGA as well. Uh, And we've seen two things give him trouble. The Memphis length and the zone of Miami. That's been pretty much it. You know, it's been those two things. Uh, 26 points, four rebounds, four assists, three steals, six turnovers. He shot 50% from the floor, two for four from three, and six for seven at the free throw line. He had timely and one buckets. And he even made it a seven-point game going into halftime with an and one and a three-pointer. Uh, still had those step backs in the mid range and then was just again timely. Like these and ones happened at the perfect time to either stop Miami runs, extend Thunder runs, get them over the hump at certain instances of the game. It was really good to see from SGA. For Jalen Williams, I thought he played well also. Like 12 points, five assists, two steals, a block, 55% from the floor, one of two from three. He did not look like a rookie for most of this game. There were rookie moments like the like the falling for Butler pump fakes is stuff that you learn as you move forward as a defender in the NBA. But the lob play where he goes up and gets it, realizes he cannot finish it, so he hangs in the air, has the body control to you know stop there, have the hand strength to palm it and fling it over to Dort in the corner for three. Like That is special acrobatic just athleticism that J-Dub has, and that was something that was not highly touted of his in the scouting report coming into this summer and at the NBA draft. It was awesome to see him play in this game. And you're just left saying, shoot more, shoot more, shoot more. Well, then who do you want to shoot less? And that answer is clearly Lou Dort. This was an awful Lou Dort game. Awful. Uh, six fouls in this one. He had two assists to two turnovers, eight rebounds. He shot four of 13 shooting, one of six from three, out of control drives. He was trying to do way too much out there. Ill-advised shots, dooming possessions after dooming possessions, and I get it. You look around and say, well, he's the only one that wants to do this. He's the only one that will go out of his comfort zone and do it. Okay, force someone else to do it. This is not the role designed for Lou Dort when this team wants to be a competitive and good team. This is not how he's going to play. This is not how the Thunder are going to play. So why don't you prepare him for that this season and force Jade up to, t- to be more aggressive and take more shots? Force anyone to take more shots. We know it's something he cannot do. He might be built to do it. As I said yesterday on, on on Monday's podcast, he might be built to do it. He might have the frame that looks like he should be able to finish through contact. He might have the, the, the shooting stroke on some nights and be a very streaky shooter. 
He can't do it night in and night out. He cannot be an offensive force. He cannot be an offensive initiator. He cannot be somebody that goes and creates his own shot night in and night out. He, for his entire career, shot poorly at the rim. That's continued. And in tonight, in tonight's game, he really cost you. you know, there was a moment where you know SGA has an and one in the second half. That gets it within six. Defensive stop, which goes to Lou Dort. And then Lou Dort is just lazy. Just a lazy pass up the court that Butler tips, gets the ball back from Miami of three points whenever it could have been, you know, reduced from a six-point game down to a four-point game, down to a three-point game, whatever would have happened on that offensive possession, but you didn't even give the Thunder a chance because it was just a lazy get-me-over pass to SGA. For a guy who wants the ball in his hands so much, that's an instance where, okay, get the ball across the timeline, and then let's figure things out. Don't force it and just throw it away willy-nilly, Right. Like, there were just so many instances of ill-advised shots, so many instances of ill-advised decision-making, and those are things that Lou Dort has repeatedly done that they need to be eliminated from his arsenal. And look, Lou Dort is a streaky player, and this is going to happen for the rest of his career, and you live with it because he's an elite defender. That's why you live with it. But he will turn around in the next game or two or three And sometime this week, he'll shoot four for six from three. And he'll have a strong body drive and finish. And then people are going to go back to crowning Lou Dort. And that's going to be fine because he's going to be awesome. He's going to be a streaky player. But I just think that this is not fair to him. It's not fair to him to continue to put him in these spots that he's not built for. Like, this is not his style of play. That's all it is. It's not his style of play. It's not what the Thunder want him to do long term. And so all you're doing right now is letting him take a beating. It's letting him get crucified on Twitter, letting him take the punches for these ill-advised opportunities for no end result. Whereas let's say it's straight up. Let's say you give the ball to Jada more, you force him to shoot more, and the efficiency drops down, and there are plays like these that are ill-advised and turnovers happen, and Jada has almost the same results as Ludor. Okay, but at least that is for a greater goal. Like that is for, hey... We want to get this guy ready to be more of an aggressive score on the offensive wing whenever Chet's back, whenever this team is fully healthy, when this team wants to play and, and win games. The ideal goal for Lou Dort is none of that. The ideal goal for Lou Dort is shoot in the corner where you've been excellent your entire career, shoot in the corner, play elite defense, and then for a very finite amount of time in a basketball game, then you might be, you maybe can be on ball for a second or you maybe can cut back door and finish. But in general, it's sit in the corner, get back on defense, play lead defense on the, on the opposition. So it's unfair to him to continue to force him to be in that role just because, well, he's the only one that wants to do it. Okay, make the others do it. Like, make them rise their level of play and take this pressure off of Lou Dort because this is going to happen more often than not. And again, he's a streaky player. So feel free to clip this part of it out too on Thursday whenever he goes four for six from three. He's really good. Lou Dort's a good basketball player. Lou Dort deserves to be on this team long-term and any contending NBA team long-term because he has an elite skill set in the half-court game in the playoffs where he can go and he can lock down your guy. He's also shown he can be an elite corner shooter. Those are two things he's elite at, which you should be able to fit your game and your style around him. But having him in this role is going to get him more of these heated Twitter moments than anything else, and it's for no end result because this is not at all ever going to be who Lou Dort is. And he's been working on this part of his game. And it's improved. Like, it's not as bad as it was last year, the decision-making at the rim. 
that he said at media day that, that, that he got better at it and he truly has gotten better at his pure decision-making going to the rim. But he still has out-of-control drives. He's still not going to be a lead at it. And he still can't finish. And so I just think it's best for everyone if you just stop having him take double-digit shot attempts per game in the sense of like 13, 14, 15 shot attempts a game. Or it just seems like he takes these shot attempts that aren't in the flow of the offense, that he just kind of cooks more than taking them whenever the defense is giving them. I love Lou Dort. And I think that Lou Dort is a starter long-term even on, on this team. If you if you care about starters, he's for sure a closer. Like you're going to have to close with Lou Dort in the playoffs because you are not going to find somebody who can do what Lou Dort does in the half-court defense in the playoffs when the game slows down and it's mano a mano. You cannot find somebody that does what Lou Dort does. So he's going to have to close for you. Don't care about starting. Don't care about the PA announcer and the jump ball. He's going to have to close for you. But this is not how he looks when he closes. And so maybe it's going to take until that moment to truly understand his value. But I, I understand how frustrating it is to watch Ludor do this game after game, uh, whenever it's off. But I just, I have to believe that he will raise his value whenever this team is fully flushed down. I've been telling you that for two years, and I know it has not done any, like I know it's not came to fruition yet. I've been saying this over and over and over again until I'm blue in the face. But I have to believe that this will get fixed. It's just frustrating for the time being. Coming up, we'll talk Kenny Hustle's good game that should not be overshadowed by a botched end-of-game scenario. Plus, Isaiah Joe, Lindy Waters, and Aaron Wiggins all played well as well. We'll talk all about that coming up. But first, I want to say right now, but your friends over at BetOnline. BetOnline is incredible, folks. It is where you want to be. It is the number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, analysis. Get the latest odds, trends, and every professional amateur league out there from pro and college football to pro and college basketball. Uh, World Baseball Classic even coming up in the near-distant future. And... It's the NFL playoffs. It's the NBA season. A lot of fun stuff to be betting on right now. Speaking of the NFL playoffs, the Dallas Cowboys, who I'm sure a lot of you are a fan of, minus two and a half on the road. So road favorites in Tampa against Tom Brady on Monday Night Football. Check that out as well over there at BetOnline. BetOnline is where the game starts. Thank you so much for making Lockdown Thunder your first listen every single morning. Every single day, we're here for you talking Thunder basketball. Subscribe for free across all podcasting platforms. This is a really good game from Kenny Hustle, and I, and I hate that it ended that way because this is going to be a lot like that Poku opening night game where, like, the opening night game for Poku, he played really, really well, but he had the botched weird finger roll thing that just threw everything for a loop and kind of lost you the game, so to say, at the end. For Kenny Hustle, 6 of 8 shooting, 1 for 3 from 3, 4 rebounds, an assist, a steal, 0 turnovers, 13 points, great cuts, good mid-range jumpers to bust the zone, played really good defense. Uh, Kenny Hustle did a ton of things really well. Did 99.999% of things. Excellent. But the last 23 seconds, he missed two free throws. That could have iced the game. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. 
Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And that's just the brutal, you know, the, the brutal nature of sports. Because if those free throws go in, if those free throws go in, we spend the rest of today talking about how valuable Kenny Hustle is. We spend the rest of the day talking about he's one of the best value deals in sports. We spend the rest of the day talking about how he is the glue guy for the future and how he is this incredible player and how he won you that game down the stretch. If those two free throws go in. But those two free throws do not change how valuable he was in getting you to that spot, in getting you to that opportunity to win that game. Kenny Hustle was incredible, and it should not be overshadowed by Two mistakes. Because everyone up and down this roster made two or more mistakes in this game. Everyone up and down this roster made more than two mistakes. Kenny Hustle was awesome. He just was. I thought Isaiah Joe and Lindy Waters, while they were not spectacular in that sense of the box score, like the, like you, you look at this box score in the, in the paper, if papers are still printing, and it's not going to jump out at you. But they both at different moments provided spark plugs for the offense. Isaiah, drew, uh, Isaiah Joe drew... That charge, that was huge. Uh, Lindy Waters III had five defensive rebounds in 12 minutes, which ended possessions and helped the Thunder um, get on the right side on the defensive end. Waters also had nine points. Joe had six in the first quarter. When the game felt like it was fading a little bit, uh, Waters came in and hit uh, you know a couple shots and had six points and a rebound. I do want to point out, too, while we're talking about Joe and Waters, uh, on Isaiah Joe's three, Darius Baisley was the first player off the bench to celebrate. And, and I get it. He was not playing. He's not in a rotation. Uh, he's, he hasn't played well this year, besides from the defensive end. It is still good to see Darius Baisley engaged on the bench and to see Darius Baisley um, trying to support his teammates. Because let's be honest, okay? Our preconceived notions, if I went all the way back to October and I told you how this season has gone for Baisley, and how he's fallen out of the rotation, he's not only not starting anymore, he's falling out of the rotation, he's not playing at all, like he's barely played in the last month of the season, if I told you all that, based on what you thought about Darius Baisley and some of the actions that he's shown up until that point, you would have believed, oh, then he's going to be a malcontent, like he's not going to support his teammates, he's going to pout. Like, that's what you would have believed about Baisley. And that's not been the case this year. Like, he's been engaged, he's been supportive of his teammates, he's been locked into games, even though game after the game, he, does, he gets a DNPCD. So he does deserve credit on that. Like, that's not an improvement that we like to point out. Like, it's not an improvement from his three-point percentage, but it is an improvement from Baisley. His attitude just seems a lot better this year, even as adversity hits. Uh, Wiggins, I thought, only played 12 minutes. Like, should have played more. I always say that about Wiggins. I'll always say that about Wiggins until he gets, like, 25 a game. Like, until he gets a consistent 25 a game, I'll always say he should play more. In this game, six points, a rebound, three for four, uh, three for five from the floor. That rebound could have been the play of the night. Like, it, it could have been the play of the night had you held onto the rebound or the Thunder just called timeout and said possession, but... That's brutal. You know, that, that's another chance. And, and when you rewatch this game, or at least I will, because I'm a sicko and I rewatch every single game the, night, the day after. You rewatch this game, like it, it's going to be painful to see every opportunity the Thunder had, despite all that went against them. The free throws, the 11-2 run, uh, the, the first quarter, the disastrous second quarter stretch. Like Despite all that went against them, they feel like they could have won the game and should have won the game. But that's what young teams do. And so, whenever I told you in October, and a lot of you got upset at me, that, hey, they're not going to be tanking, but they're going to lose games because this team is too young to close out games. This is an example of that. 
They didn't tank. They did nothing to tank. They did nothing to make the team worse. They did everything they could to win. They experimented. They tried different players. They tried different lineups. They tried timeouts. They tried to foul. They tried to not foul. They tried to score inside. They tried to score outside. They tried to cut. They tried to stand still. They tried everything they could, and they lost because of silly mistakes. Everything adds up. Going all the way back to the second quarter with the with the lazy Lou Dort no, turnover. Going all the way forward to the start of the fourth quarter with the Eugene Marie lazy take foul that sparked an 11-2 run. All these things add up that that more experienced teams do not do. More experienced teams give up the fast break. More experienced teams just bring the ball to the timeline and then get the ball to their best player. More experienced teams grab a rebound, understand, hey, I'm about to lose this timeout. Let's just go ahead and call the timeout right now. Let's save this most valuable thing, which is the possession with no shot clock. Like all these things will add up for them. All these things are going to be lessons that they can take for next game. They can take for next year, more importantly. Like this is stuff that's going to impact them, not just for the Sixers, but impact them for next season, but impact them for two seasons from now in the playoffs, but impact them whenever the whatever the case is. Like this is going to be long-lasting impacts that Mark is going to pound into their heads and allow them to overcome. Up next on Locked on Thunder, Thursday, we're going to have a draft recap podcast or draft preview podcast with Richard Stamen. We're going to talk about the 2022 draft for a little bit and then preview the 2023 draft. Friday, Sixers recap, Saturday, Bulls recap, and then Monday, Nets recap. We're here for you Monday through Friday and after every single Thunder game. So subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. And until tomorrow, be good and be good to one another. <laughs> Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.